Hello, it's Tuesday of Renewal Week as we walk through the final week of Renewal Jesus Holy life. Week. Sorry, renewal I, Holy Week. I already interrupted you, but I'm excited about it. This isn't just any old Renewal Week. This is the Holy Week edition. And if you haven't seen Lindsay's description of renewal about a plant and the so restoration good. of freshness. The freshness. Wasn't that a great word? It was really great. So go check that out from... Was that Sunday? That was yesterday. Yeah, Sunday's kids thing. Yep. Well, well, we just gave it away. It's Monday as we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> now you know all our secrets. Listen, we're, you know, I'm, I'm an open book. <laughs> yeah. You definitely want to check out the New City Kids Renewal Week. Actually, it reminded me, you know, there, there is um, a similarity to what she said in describing Renewal Week and what you did, I think, on the first night you talked about, you know, it's a little bit like splashing the cold water on your face, mm-hmm, yeah, kind of waking up mm-hmm. uh, to what is happening. So here we are. It is Tuesday, and there's there are some, it's some conflict today. Yeah, there's a lot of, Tuesday is a lot of, of Holy Week is a lot of conflict and content. Mm. There's not a lot of like events like so, you know, you think of like, you know, Monday, he comes in and turns over the tables. and That's like an event that then needs to be described. We're actually going to be dealing with the aftermath of that. I mean, that was such a big deal. We think all oh, that was like, no, that was a huge deal. So that's going to that's going to evoke this uh, a big response. And so it's going to be you know, a lot of teaching, uh, conflict and content. Um and then obviously Thursday, you've got the upper room dinner. And so there's an event. And then Good Friday, obviously the greatest event. Well, until the Sunday, which is the greatest event. But so this day, though, there's not a ton of events. It's a, it's a lot about teaching. There's some good events coming. Yes, there's some but good events. But before we get to the events, yeah. there there yeah, there's some conflict and there's a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing kind of we can piggyback off of yesterday. You talked a little bit about what it represented, but yesterday Jesus cursed the fig tree. Oh, right. Today they walk by it and they see that it's withered, yeah. which is this foretelling of ultimately judgment mm-hmm. um, on the people of Israel. It's, fruit, it's a fruitless tree. Yeah, and so uh, it's a good way to kick off Tuesday. Um, you know, so we talked about how there's just kind of like this, almost like, like, again, not to be overly dramatic, but like doom in the air. Like, right. like judgment is coming. Uh, Jesus is going to bear the judgment of God for the sins of his people in his body on the tree. And that is just mm. a massive weight. And there is judgment coming for the nation of Israel who the leadership has rejected their Messiah. Mm. They've rejected God's son. And in fact, one of the parables that yeah. that they put on this day is the parable of the tenants. And it's like, you know, the landowner sends, you know, to get a yield from his land and the people who are, you know, stewarding the land, stewardship class, yep. they're, you know, not doing their job and they're not being faithful to the landowner. So he sends one servant after the next and they beat him and they, you know, curse him and they do all these things. And finally, the landowners are like, finally, I'll send my son mm. and surely they'll respect him. And they're like, no, let's beat him and kill him and the inheritance will be ours. And so Jesus uh, on this day shares an indictment of, again, it's not the whole nation. Sometimes people get that confused, but like, the representative leadership of the nation, which, you know, in effect re- represents the whole nation, is rejecting the Messiah. And so, therefore, they're going to be judged as well. That was the bulk of the conflict on this day, is yeah. Jesus and these religious leaders. Exactly. In fact, you know, there's the, woe to you, scribes. There's a, he calls them blind guides. Mm-hmm. He says things like, you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. Yeah. These are the people in authority, uh, you know, over the religious happenings of Israel, the ones that were actually supposed to be pointing people to the Messiah, to the way of Jesus, 
and they were the complete opposite, stumbling yeah. blocks, hindrances. Yeah, talking about not knowing the power of God, and to finish up the, the fig tree thing, like Jesus cursed that thing and it died. Right. Like Jesus has the power to judge. Right. That's, you know, talk about knowing the power of God. But then, like you were saying about these leaders, absolutely, these are supposed to be the people who know, who are accountable. Um, and in this book, Taylor here, The Final Days of Jesus, he makes the point, it's really good, that the, the Jewish system at that time was pretty divided. Sadducees, Pharisees didn't see eye to eye. There was Herodians who didn't see eye to eye. There were different people. But it's like one thing they all had in common is that they were all coming at Jesus on this day, Tuesday. They were all trying to trip him up. It's mm. like they couldn't agree on anything. But, you know, I forget what the saying is like, another man's, if we have the same enemy, we're friends or something like that. Yeah. That's like, and so, and, you know, not, and that's in a, in, a, in a bad way, in a terrible way. Like the thing that they're rallying behind is that none of us want this young upstart rabbi to have influence or authority over us. And so they begin to mm. ask questions that first, you know, they're, they're going to escalate their opposition to him. Um, you know, he's turned over the tables. He's demonstrated that he has authority over the temple. He's depicted judgment coming upon it. And they're like, well, who do you think you are to, to be able to walk in this temple? Again, he's very young considerably. I mean, he's like 33 years old, depending on how, you know, whatever your view is. But, like, he's very young to be rolling into the temple during Passover and doing that, I mean, it is a big deal. And so then that evokes this response. They start asking him questions, and the first one is about, you know, uh, his, where he gets his authority from. And then he answers the question with a question. He says, where's John the Baptist's authority? And if they say it's from heaven, then he'll be like, well, why don't you follow John the Baptist? And mm. so they're like, oh, we can't say that. And if we say that John the Baptist is not, then the crowds are going to turn on him. And so they're stuck and they're like, well, we're not going to tell you what we think about John. And he's like, well, I'm going to tell you what I think about my authority. <laughs> and so what you see in these, you know, there's going to be like three or four exchanges. I don't know if you want to touch on one of them or anything, whatever you want to add there. But in all those exchanges, you're going to see Jesus as, in a sense, the ultimate wise man. Yep. And you said this well uh, on one of the other episodes, just you know, you're seeing this week that Jesus is in control of the narrative. When he says that I go to Jerusalem and I lay my life down, no one's taking it from me, he's not tripping up on a question right. that then got the crowd to turn against him and that, oh, it was a mistake that he got crucified. No, he's demonstrating his wisdom and his power in some of these confrontations. I always thought about the fact that, you know, Jesus in some sense kind of avoided a lot of these conversations, mm -hmm. the, the majority of his ministerial life. Yeah. And now he's come in to handle business. I mean, it's it's the climax of what he came to do. Yep. And even before the big events, you know, he is controlling the narrative, like you said. And so we should pay attention to the fact that Jesus is going to like correct these leaders. Mm -hmm. He's he's speaking in parables. He's responding to their, to their questions again in a very wise and perfect way. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just powerful to think about. Jesus pushing up against this religious culture and way of thinking um, that needed to be corrected before he goes and lays down his life. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, again, when you think about his youth, you think about what's at stake. He knows this is going to cost him his life. And just the kind of faith, we talk about stories of faith, the ultimate story of faith. Jesus is just going in here, trusting his father. Obviously, in the prayer in the garden, we'll get there in a couple of days. Like, you'll see that really fully on display. But yeah, I mean, Jesus is clearly knows who he is and what he's about. Um, I would say that the last thing about the confrontation, when they ask him a bunch of questions and then he asked them a question, mm. which is one of the high points of certainly Luke and Matthew's gospel accounts of Jesus about his identity. 
you know, whose son is the Messiah? Is he David's son or David's Lord? And that's a real climax of the identity of Jesus. And I think something for us to lean into, like Jesus is not just one of any number of descendants of David. He actually is the originator. He's David's Lord. And so, you know, he's been trying to like, you know, he's he's kind of danced around that a little bit, you know, a little bit. But certainly now, this last week, you overturn the tables. Who was supposed to be in charge of the of the temple, by the way? The king. Who built the temple? David wanted to. He was the king. God said you can't. His son Solomon built the temple. And the king was responsible for the maintenance, the building and the maintenance of the temple. And so Jesus is like, well, this thing's corrupt. It's going to be destroyed. And I'm going to lay that temple down. And three days later, I'm going to rise it up and build a new temple. And so here's God's king building God's temple. So as we think about renewal, Mm -hmm. For our listeners, it's like, well, what do we learn from a day like today? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that sticks out to me is you see this over and over, especially as the, you know, the con- or the the episode of Jesus going to the cross for our sins comes up, that the kingdom of God is coming, uh, and yet it's it's not the kind of kingdom that the Israelites were expecting, nor especially with these religious leaders that they wanted. Mm-hmm. It's the kingdom they needed, and it's not the kingdom they wanted. And as Jesus is showing who he is, what he's about, there is this opposition. And I think that it is like the natural tendency in the human heart to think that we have um, a, a better idea of what the kingdom should look like or the mm-hmm. pathway to joy and fruitfulness. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a tendency in our own hearts to even just want to be the king of the kingdom. I mean, mm-hmm. that is ultimately what's taking place with these mm-hmm. people pushing up against Jesus, these religious leaders. They were blind guys. They didn't know the power of God because they wanted to be the ones with the power. They wanted to overthrow Rome. They weren't looking for you know a, a king to come and basically set up this, this whole platform of service mm-hmm. and humility um, and love for the nations. They wanted to be exalted. And so even in my own heart, as I'm reflecting, how can I be renewed in this is, well, number one, I definitely want to know the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to be full of the power of God. I don't want to be going against Jesus. I want to smell the doom in the air, even today, the impending judgment that is coming, that Jesus is going to return. Mm. And, you know, we will have to give an account. You know, I want to I want to be living holy. I want to be living for righteousness. And I want to be a part of the kingdom of God and, and lay down this desire and proneness to build my own kingdom. Yeah, all that stuff. Agree, 100%. I think that's definitely ways that our hearts and minds can be renewed, uh, transformed. I think for people who are in power, who have influence, uh, Jesus feels like more of a threat. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, even in my own life, you know, if I'm the, you know, in my marriage, I have, you know, I'm I'm the head, I'm the husband, you know, like how am I using my power and influence, quote unquote, in, in that situation? I'm a pastor of a church. You know, is the influence that the Lord's given me to use the word for the stewardship class? Am I stewarding that the way God wants me to? So mm. if you're listening to this, you know, it's like the people that had the biggest problem with Jesus are the people that had the most influence and the most power. Sure. Because his kingdom, it's a new way of doing things. And it's like, do you trust him enough? Like if you were to give, and again, again, he's uh, whoever's listening to this, he's not impressed with whatever level of power you have. I mm. mean, Nebuchadnezzar, Rome, he doesn't. It's mm-hmm. not impressive to mm-hmm. him. So are you willing to, like, give up your, quote-unquote, earthly power and prestige, whatever level that is, literally give it into the hands of Jesus and trust that his kingdom and his way will be better for you in the end? I think that's 
certainly something you can see in us Tuesday where the people who are in power are just so bristling at the fact of this new identity of Jesus. So and there's a responsibility mm-hmm. for people who have, I mean, the Lord is the one, even you, you mentioned Nebuchadnezzar. We, we talked about this several weeks ago in Sermon Plus. Mm-hmm. The Lord is the one who set him up yeah. in power. The Lord gives authority and influence, and we're actually meant to use that for the purpose of guiding people to Jesus. Right. You're only supposed to use it to serve, which is all Jesus used his power for. I mean, he actually is one with impressive power. He's the guy who curses fig trees and they die. He's the guy who raises people from the dead. He literally is, in fact, the son of God. And he used all of his power and influence to be a blessing to other people. So it's like, it really is an upside down thing. But like, when you have power and influence, you tend to like, you know, you get, uh, you know, people say drunk on power, you you, you get, you know, you, you lose your way. So... That's a good thing. I did want to say one more thing. Mm-hmm. We got a couple minutes left of this episode. <clears throat> one of the things that happens on this day, uh, Tuesday, is Jesus gives what's known as the Olivet Discourse, mm-hmm. which is, and again, to say this in, in two minutes is kind of crazy, but it, hopefully it can be helpful in renewing for you. This is where Jesus pulls his disciples aside. So he's, he's predicted the destruction of the temple, and he's predicting the destruction of Jerusalem. And his disciples are like, whoa, 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 when's that going to happen? <laughs> like, when's that going down? And so he pulls them aside, and he has this conversation with them. And there's, that's in Matthew 24. I believe it's Luke 21. If I'm going off the top of my head, yeah, I could probably find that. Um, but in that discourse, he, um, he basically, there's this kind of like dual thing going on where the destruction of Jerusalem is described, but it also seems like it's like the renewal of the whole world. And so it's like, well, which one are these talking about? And the answer to that is yes. And so if you're spending Mm -hmm. some time today and you go read through that, it's pretty challenging uh, at times to figure out which one is which. But let me just give you a little bit of like a pathway, a guideway through it is like what's happening with Jerusalem and Israel is what happens to the world. As Israel goes, so goes the world. It's like all the way back to Abraham. I'm going to bless you, and through you, I'm going to bless the world. And if anyone curses you, then I'm going to curse them. So it's like that's how God is blessing the world. It's through Israel. And and so, you know, with the destruction of Jerusalem, God's judgment on that for rejecting God and his Messiah, that same thing will happen to the world. but just like a remnant of Israel was restored and redeemed, so the same thing will happen with the world. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you could even microcosm that all the way to Jesus. Jesus is destroyed. He's killed. And three days later, he rises from the dead. So judgment and mercy are always going together in God's plan. We look at Jesus as the seed, then Israel, Jerusalem, and then ultimately to the world. And so for us, as we're thinking about being renewed, as we're mm-hmm. thinking about Holy Week. Holy Week has got this like telescope effect that reaches all the way in a sense to the end of time. But what's going on in Jerusalem that week is going to, in a sense, set the type or be the foreshadow of what's going to happen to the whole world is that God's judgment is going to come. But for all those who have faith in God and his Messiah, Mm. ultimately, though they be killed, they will rise from the dead and they will inhabit new bodies and new heavens and a new earth. And that's foretold by Jesus on this day to his disciples uh, as he's the context is the, the destruction and the judgment of Jerusalem. That's great. Tuesday. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things to think about today. What are you doing with your influence and power the Lord has entrusted to you? Mm-hmm. As we think about even the, uh, the, sec- the return of Christ, mm-hmm. you know, how are we preparing for the return of Jesus in our own mm-hmm. hearts and even as a means to serve those uh, around us? So a lot to consider today. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Thank you, listener. And we'll see you tomorrow. Wednesday. Wednesday. Where the King of Kings was laid.